There we go. You got to raise this up when you're tall. Let me see this. Got to bring it way up. How's that? Awesome. Now you might be wondering uh, why we just read that that scripture before my sermon, and hopefully you will understand it by the end of it. Um, I wanted it to kind of serve as uh, an attention getter, to really kind of just wake us up to the theme of what I want to speak on and what I believe God has put in my heart for you today. Um, We're going to um, kind of make a hard transition here to my opening illustrations that uh, I'm not sure how this is going to work because this is going to be a bit funny and that was a bit uh, serious, but we're going to try it, okay? So I'm going to go back into childhood. We're going to peer back into your childhood and into my childhood as well and look at our childhood and the toys that we played with as an illustration of what I want to communicate with you today. I'm going to give away my age here by talking about my favorite toy that I used in the late 70s, early 80s, before you were even thought of. And I have a picture of it. This thing is amazing. This was incredible, and it was called Stretch Armstrong. I love Stretch Armstrong, and I wanted him so bad. All of my buddies had him in the neighborhood. This guy was, well, as you can see, he was stretchable. He was squishy, and he was strong. I mean, every little boy would love that. So he was this muscle man that you could stretch, and he never broke. You could stretch him. I mean, one of my friends would take one arm, I'd take the other, and we'd just start walking backwards. As far as we could, the guy would not break. Now, it is sad to say that some of my friends would actually cut him open. I could never bring myself to it. It almost seemed like sacrilegious. It was like I liked him so much, I didn't want to see what was inside. Let's just enjoy Stretch Armstrong. And I got Stretch Armstrong, and I felt like this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. And I played for, you know, I'm an eight-year-old kid, and I played with him every day for a week, two weeks. And after that, I kicked him to the curb, and he got boring. But then I got a new toy. This was even better. I begged my parents, and they gave it to me. Let's look at this next one. Evil Knievel wind up with wheelies. Oh, man, this thing was amazing. You would put Evil Knievel, that's not me, by the way, in case you couldn't tell. I darkened up a little bit over the years. No, that's not me, but, but that expression was me. Man, we put, I put Evil Knievel on that thing, I wind that up, and it would just be zzzz, and then we'd let him go, and he'd start going, man, and he'd pop a wheelie. Oh, man, my buddies and I, yeah, Evil Knievel. I mean, it was I thought my life was going to be completely um, complete, and I would need nothing else after I got Evil Knievel, wind up with the wheelie. And I played with him every single day on the driveway in my basement, anywhere I could. He was special to me. I had a bond with Evil Knievel. You guys don't understand that. You didn't play with toys, did you? But we're going to talk about your toys in just a second. I got something that you might remember. But after a couple weeks, I just needed more. I needed another toy. 
I thought I would never need anything else once I got Evil Knievel, but I needed more. Well, how about you? Do you guys have any toys from your childhood? I brought something I think might mean something to some of you. Let me show you this here. Now, if you know what this bag is, you already know what this is. You see that W on there? Let's see what's in here. Oh, Autumn just went, oh, I think she knows. Okay, let's open this up. Where do you open up? There, there you. What's, there we go. You can tell this wasn't from my era. Oh. Guys, I know you're gonna you're too manly to admit you played with these, but you might have played with the warthog. Lemur, warthog, webkins. You, you feel me? She's 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 feeling me. She's like, nah, I didn't know what those opening passages were. I'm feeling it now. Webkins. Anybody remember webkins? Oh, see, look at it all in now. This is webkins. Webkins were not only cute and fluffy, but the new emerging internet generation could go online and have a Webkins account, and you could have your own Webkins world online. Anybody have that? Oh, you could. <laughs> Noah still has a Webkins world and still plays with them. <laughs> Look at no, no. He said he just said no shame. Um. My, I think, I think this might be a true story. My daughter, Emma, um, loved Webkins. And I think it was Webkins, was it not, when she got, she got ripped off? Poor Emma. She had her little Webkins, and she was so innocent and naive as a little girl. We went on vacation, and one of her online friends said, I'll babysit your Webkins for you. Give me your username and password. Sounds like you guys did that. This is a church. This is time for repentance now. So we went on vacation, and I'll never forget. We came back, and little Emma logged in, and it was all gone. Her furniture was gone. All the, the, the accessories, the clothing, everything that she had worked so hard for, and uh, it was gone. She got ripped off. That was a painful lesson, but she still loved Webkins. So I wanted to show Webkins just to kind of bring it back. I'll set these right here so you can see how cute they are during my sermon. Now, what I just described, um, going from one toy to another, is typical childhood behavior, and it's completely normal. You guys remember that feeling, don't you? Like, man, Christmas morning, if I can just get this, this is what I want. Man, this is going to make my life complete. And you would play with it for a week or two, and then certainly there would come a time when uh, you would need something more. You'd need another toy. And this is harmless childhood behavior, but I do believe that there is a seed contained in there. And I remember when I became a man and I, and I began to reflect upon my time as a child, and I began to see that there was a almost an insidious seed that was harmless as a child. But if I would water this seed as an adult, it would grow into something really ugly and really dangerous. And what you just looked at before I came up was quotes from a man named King Solomon. King Solomon, I believe, was a man that 
continued this childhood practice as an adult and he gave himself every toy imaginable every adult toy you see he he put away the webkins he put away evil knievel and even stretch armstrong and then he picked up all these other toys that you just read about and his hope and his desire was that these adult toys would satisfy him but they didn't they never did and that's why at the end of his life when he looked back as an old man all he could say was vanity of vanities all is vanity meaningless of meaninglessness it all is meaningless and so what happened to Solomon is what can happen to us as adults when we try to like for example there's nothing wrong with enjoying the pleasures of this world as a child or as an adult there's so many things I love to do so many blessings as a man that I enjoy that God has given me to enjoy and I I thank God for them but when I assign eternal value to anything that's temporal and I attempt to satisfy a deep spiritual hunger and thirst in me for meaning and for truth with anything that's created that's when I cross the line into idolatry and that's when I um, cross the line into uh, what Solomon lived, vanity of vanity. And so, you know, look around the campus and uh, maybe even look in the mirror and you're going to see students here that traded in webkins of yesterday for uh, iPhones of today, for dating relationships of today, for new cars, for popularity, Right? In a sense, it's very similar to that childhood longing to find eternal happiness in anything created. And it doesn't work. It will never lead to that eternal satisfaction, happiness. And I see it in my generation. I mean, my wife and I, it, let, me, let me just tell you, it never goes away if you don't take care of this. There are 50-year-old men, guys from my high school, that, man, they're not playing with Stretch Armstrong, but it's like, I got to have this new car. It's going to make me happy. Or I got to do this. I'm going to get a new wife. I'm going to do this. And they're constantly trying to satisfy themselves with these temporal things, and it doesn't work. I had a Zoom hangout with some of my high school buddies um, over uh, the summer, and there was like seven of us on this Zoom call. We were all friends in high school. And it was cool. We're all scattered all over the world. And we got together for like an hour. We talked. And I talked with these guys. Well, my son Matthew, he's right here. Matthew jumped on the Zoom call. It was pretty cool. So Matt was on there just watching my friends talk. And after like an hour of joking around and talking about things, and um, one of them is a Christian uh, out of the whole lot and one other person. Uh, and that's it. None of them have come to, to faith yet, but we're working on it. When we got done with that conversation, it was hilarious to get off the Zoom call. And, and I don't know if you remember this, but Matthew said to me, they talk just like my friends at school. <laughs> I said, I know. Some things never change without Jesus. Same conversations, same thing. Now they're not, they're not looking for Stretch Armstrong, but it's trying to find this eternal satisfaction in other things, in, in the adult ma male type of toys. But it's that same misdirected desire to satisfy the longing of our soul with something created. Now, Jesus Christ had a conversation that is absolutely profound with a woman at the well. And we're going to look at this as our main passage of Scripture this morning. And so if you have a Bible or you have your phone with the Bible app, 
If you could go to John chapter 4, that's going to be our main passage. Let's go to John chapter 4, verse 4. This is a really special passage because the scripture that we're going to look at relates to the name of our church. So if you've ever wondered, why is this church called H2O? This is a great reference to the name of our church. It's not the only reason we named it H2O, but this passage directly connects to the name of our campus church. John chapter 4, verse 4. Let's read this together. Jesus had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Let's stop there. There's a few occasions in the scriptures where there is a mention of a well. And just so you know, when you're reading the Bible, whenever you see a well mentioned, pay attention. Very often something significant is going to happen. I don't know why and why the symbolism is there, but when you read about a well, something is going to happen. And this is a very powerful encounter that our Lord is going to have with a very special woman right now at a well. It's dry, it's hot, it's dusty, he's tired, everybody's thirsty, and they're coming to this well to talk. Verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Let's stop there a second. We don't have to dig in too deeply here. I mean, I could go on for the whole sermon here. But if you're wondering, what, what does this mean? Why did, why did she say that? First of all, it was very interesting that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman because he is, of course, of the Jewish race, the child of Mary. And the Jews at that point in time really didn't have a good relationship with the Samaritans. And so they would not talk. They were almost shall we say, enemies. And so here is Christ talking to this Samaritan woman at the well and asking her for a drink, and that surprises her. Now, what you're going to see here is that he asked her a question uh, because it was more than just water. It wasn't just that he was thirsty, and we're going to get to that. But she is shocked because he's asking her, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. Let's go on in the story. So she asks, she asks him, why are you asking me, a woman of Samaria? Verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What a crazy response, huh? I bet she didn't expect that. So um, Jesus is now getting to the heart of the matter. This is why... This is why he wanted to talk with her. This is what it was all about. It wasn't about this cold water on a hot, dusty summer day. This was a spiritual encounter. And he looks in her eyes and he says, if you knew who was 
asking you for a drink, you would ask him for water and he would give you this living water, this living H2O. Um, Verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Seems like a fair question to me, right? I mean, okay, so who's this man? The stranger's coming up to me. He's talking to me. That was weird because Jewish men don't talk to me. Now he told me that if I'll ask him for living water, he's going to give me living water. He can't even, he doesn't even have a bucket. I'm the one with the bucket. And he's asking me for living water. How are you going to get this water? It's a fair question. And then verse 12, you can peer into the mind of this Samaritan woman. She's starting to understand a little bit about this conversation because she, she's understanding that this man she has just met is asserting himself as being someone special, someone that gives living water. And she's thinking about this, and we know she's thinking about it because of her next question. Because her association with this well is an association with a very special man from the history of the Samaritans and the Jews, Jacob. And look at what she asked next in verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. So again, this woman is now trying to process what's going on with this man. He says he's got some living water from me. He's asserting that he's someone special, but our father Jacob actually drank from this well right here. He touched it. He drank the same water. Don't you understand? That's Jacob. She's basically trying to figure out, so who are you? Are you greater than Jacob? Now, it's so interesting. I love the response of Christ because he doesn't try to assert his divinity. He doesn't try to prove that he's so much greater. He just makes one of the most profound statements that he's ever made. And look at what he says here in verse 13. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Time out. Everyone who plays with this toy will eventually need another toy. Everyone who buys this shiny car will eventually need another shiny car. Everyone who gets really into this sport will eventually need another sport. Everyone who buys this shirt that looks so good and oh man, you look good when you look in the mirror and you put it, you try it on and oh, it smells good. It's a nice shirt. We'll need a new shirt. Everyone who buys brand new Puma sneakers including Neo, will eventually need new Puma sneakers, right? Everyone who goes and gets this brand new hairstyle and just colors the hair and it looks great and it's awesome, but eventually you'll need another hairstyle. It'll need to be done again. He said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Now, she might have been thinking, Duh. I mean, where are you going? Why are you getting all philosophical on me? But again, she's slowly, remember, you, you know the backstory. She doesn't. She's trying to understand who is this man? Why is he talking in these theological, confusing terms? I know I'm going to be thirsty again. I thought this whole conversation was about us being thirsty. Well, then he makes this statement that is so profound. If, if, you, if you have ears to hear, 
listen. If you have eyes to see this morning, look what he says. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, he wasn't talking about the natural water in that well. He was talking to this woman's hunger, her thirst, her desire for spiritual and eternal meaning. That's in you. That's in me. All of us have a desire for spiritual truth, a higher desire. Yes, we have these important desires for the things of this world. Yes, that's a part of living in this world. We need to do that to survive, and they're a gift from God. But there's something higher. Do you follow me? There's a higher yearning. I remember as a little boy, um, I didn't have a, a, an awesome uh, encounter with Jesus at the well, but I had a lot of crazy God encounters, little seeds that were planted in me, even as a little boy. When I was that little Nino playing with Evil Knievel and Stretch Armstrong, it was about that same time when I was driving down a road with my parents and one of our local businesses named Chicken Coop, which was owned by Christians, they had a billboard and they were trying to point people to Christ. They were trying to do more than just sell chicken, though the chicken was okay, kind of subpar, but that's okay. They had a higher purpose. And I remember driving down the road and seeing Chicken Coop and then they had a slogan. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I had never been to church in my life. I had never been baptized. I just wanted Stretch Armstrong, Evil Knievel, and a beautiful wife one day. That's about what I thought of. You do too. I mean, you look at me like, what's he talking about? Come on, we can be real. Or a wonderful husband, we know. But in that moment, those were like little mini conversations at the well. And in that moment, I remember as just a little boy thinking, yes, that's true. There's something higher than this world. Because I know my grandparents are about to die. I had seen other family members die. I knew, even as a young boy, that this water that I drink will not satisfy the eternal longing in me. And this is what that woman at the well was trying to understand. And this is what Christ was attempting to teach her. So he said, the water that I will give you will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman then said to her, and I love this, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now, it's a little confusing. We, we don't fully understand by her response. Did she think, well, maybe there's this like magical water that if I drink it, I never have to drink biological water again? That's cool, you know? But no, as you go on in the story, and for time's sake, we're not going to go on in the passage, but I highly recommend you read this. Because this then leads him, and he says, okay, you know, she's understanding. And Christ then shares the good news with this woman, who it turns out had been looking for eternal fulfillment in human relationships with men. Did she not? Remember that story. Call your husband. She said, I've had five husbands. He goes on to talk to her about 
the life of adultery that she had been living. These men will never satisfy you. The Father brought you to me for this day because there's a longing in you that was misplaced. You were trying to find eternal satisfaction in one relationship after another. Anybody been like that? You don't have to raise your hand. We know who you are. I'm uh, just kidding. I don't. That was me when I was young. Oh, this relationship will satisfy me. This toy will satisfy me. And then Christ witnesses to this woman. And this beautiful crea creation of God is radically converted. And she goes and tells her whole town. And many, many people come to know Jesus Christ. It's an amazing story. Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And he did. He gave it to her. Now, when you came in today, you were giving, uh, given salt packets. Everybody have those? At the beginning of this sermon, I, I wanted to juxtapose the reflection of an old man named Solomon with that quote by Augustine. And when you saw them together, it might not have made much sense to you. But I hope you're starting to understand why I wanted to juxtapose these. King Solomon, looking all his life for eternal um, satisfaction in the things of this world. At the end of his life, he was miserable and lonely and uh, completely disillusioned. And yet, consider the quote from Augustine. Lord, you have put salt in our mouths that we might thirst for you. For what? For that living water. Now, I don't know if anybody's brave enough to do this, but I'm going to ask you if anybody here wants to be brave enough to just rip open that salt packet and pour it in their mouth right now, I dare you. Go for it. I dare you. Just pour it in. You don't have to. I'm going to tell you, you, you might regret it, but go for it. Pour it on. Oh, man. And then when you put that mask back on, anybody, did you do it? You put the whole thing in? Okay, yeah, just let it, let it just sit right on your tongue for a while. Just let it really just saturate right into the tongue and just... Autumn did it too. That is not surprising. <laughs> Noah did it. Now, this, this is a small salt packet. I get that. Now, we could have put a lot more in, right? Um, but when you put salt in your mouth, you begin to develop a thirst for water. And that's the only thing that will quench it. Um, you can try other things, but what you really need is water. And what St. Augustine is saying here is that, obviously, God didn't literally put salt in our mouth. What he's saying is he's put a salt in our soul so that we might thirst for him. And the only time we can truly be satisfied is in him. Another quote by Augustine that is one of my life quotes. Lord, you've made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Restlessness, trying to find truth, meaning, again, higher meaning, more than academic success, more than the great blessings of this world, but that rest in God, that eternal rest that only Christ can give, that's why he puts salt in your soul. That's why you're thirsty right now if you put it in your mouth. 
you need uh, biological water, and our souls need that living water. So this morning, I believe there's some of you here that have never fully quenched that spiritual thirst, and I want to give you an opportunity to turn your life over to Christ this morning and let him quench that thirst. That longing for meaning, that desire for truth and eternity that you've maybe tried to satisfy in the things of this world, today can be your day to let Jesus do that, to let Jesus be the one that really satisfies you. So I'm going to pray for you, and uh, I'd like to invite you to stand together with me. We're going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to have the band come on up. You guys are probably ready to do a song, right? They're always ready. As they're getting ready, we're going to have a closing song, but I want to um, just kind of prep you. We're going to have a, uh, what we call an altar time. And I know that might sound weird because, it, like, there's no altar here. I, I get that. Um, but we call it that because it's a time where you can actually leave your seat and come to the front and just create this space as an altar to meet with God. This altar call is not for just those of you that want to become Christians today. This is for anybody here and you're getting ready to start a new semester, uh, and you want to do it right, and you want that living water to just be poured out upon you and through you, and you want more of God, this is a time to pray. This is your time to come forward and to let God fill you with that living water. And for those of you here that would say, you know, I've, I've been observing uh, Christianity, trying to understand this, and today... I want to receive Jesus Christ. I might not know fully what it means, but I, I want that living water. Like, I, I want it. I want to drink it. I want that water. This is your day as well. And if that is you, I would invite you as well to come forward and to let me know. Come up to me. I'll just be standing here with this beautiful lady, my wife, and, uh, and just talk with us and just say, yeah, I'd like to pray with you to really know Jesus Christ today. Amen. And then let me pray, and uh, then the band will lead us. And then come on forward, and let's pray together. Let's seek God. Father, I thank you that you have put salt in our mouth that we might thirst for you. God, we acknowledge that we have misdirected this thirst to the things of this world, but that which is temporal will never satisfy our eternal longing. You satisfy us. Jesus Christ, you alone, will satisfy the longing of our soul for truth. And I pray that even now you will meet with us. I pray that you'll pour forth your Holy Spirit at this altar. And I pray that we will be filled with that living water in a fresh way. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.